Yo, what's good? It's your boy CJ King. Look, and I'm rocking with the homie Rick Sincere. I'm going to need y'all to keep it locked right here on MTMV Sports. At Strayer University, we believe that higher education doesn't have to mean high costs. That's why with our graduation fund, you can earn up to 25% off your bachelor's degree tuition, making it all the more possible to succeed in today's world. Modern learning made affordable. Welcome to the future of education. Strayer University, out with the old school. Find a revolutionary way to finish your degree at Strayer's Chambly Campus, located at 3355 Northeast Expressway, Suite 100 in Atlanta. Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Robinson, and welcome to another exciting edition of The Robinson Show. On the program, I have him back from MTMV Sports, Rick Sincere. We discuss the wild card weekend and look ahead to the divisional round. That's all coming up after the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Robinson Show. over 92 180 over 111 182 over 100 and i had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke this is what high blood pressure looks like you might not feel its symptoms but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent my memory is shot when i woke up i couldn't speak i can't button up a shirt I can't run. I've had to learn to swallow again. That's the only moments that I have. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. Had I done this, had I done that, hell, I messed up. Get back on your plan or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. And just tell them. program everybody i'm your host ed robinson wild card weekend was a wild one and one person that knows the ins and outs of the national football league and the predictions and you know we had him on last week well we have him back this week to recap wild card weekend and also look ahead to the divisional round let's welcome back from mtmv sports my main man rick sincere rick what's going on my friend what's up bro how you doing man Oh, man, all is well, all is well. Thanks again for taking your time out of your busy schedule to be with us on the program. So let's let's jump to it. Wild card weekend was something else, and we got to start off with a great game between the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans. Now, Josh Allen, he came out red hot early in the game, but this was a game of two halves. The first half belonged to the Buffalo Bills. The second half was all Houston and particularly, particularly the Deshaun Watson. Dabble Sweeney once said that Deshaun Watson would be the Michael Jordan of the NFL. So your thoughts on the Bills and Texans? Man, um, we talked about it before. We we previewed it, and, and going into that matchup, um, I said something that I truly believed. I was like, you know what? That defense will be um, – that defense is the strength of, of Buffalo's team. Buffalo, um, if they get creative on offense, they can do some stuff. But at the end of the day – I didn't think that they had enough offense to overcome what Houston can bring. So it was Buffalo's defense, which was the strength of their team, versus the Houston, um, Houston Texans' um, offense. And I thought for a fact that the Houston Texans' offense was better than their defense. The crazy part of the, the whole situation is, is it was actually Houston 
Texans defense, or it was their defense and J.J. Watt and his effectiveness as a pass rusher that changed the game around. You're right. It was Houston. Um, I'm sorry. It was Buffalo with all the momentum and doing their thing, going into, um, you know, going into the half. They were really, really controlling the game. And then J.J. Watt comes in and he affects the game in the way that only J.J. Watt can. Once he once he changed the game with with his effective play that with that one play actually it was one big play and that one big play when they turned it around man um, it changed the momentum once the momentum went on the side of the Houston Texans man they had two things to bring to the table one some some of that old defense that they used to have that used to be the the cornerstone of their team plus now this um, this phenomenal offense with Deshaun Watson. Even though he didn't, you know, he didn't start off the game hot, but towards the end, when it really mattered, you start to see, you know, him open up his chest a little bit, and in the middle, <laughs> it was an S. And, yeah, he did look a lot like Superman when he was bringing him towards the end of that game. All right, let's stay with Bills and Texans again for a moment. Deshaun Watson, he showed his championship experience, Rick, again. Deshaun Watson won a national championship with – Clemson, Dabble Sweeney ran it and he raved and ran it over Deshaun Watson, said he was the, ne- the, ne- the next big thing in the National Football League. Deshaun Watson had the championship pedigree and he showed it. Josh Allen also showed his inexperience in only his second year in the league. If anything, what, what do you think Josh Allen gained from this game? Or I should say gained from this loss? Well, he gets the experience, and that's that's the basis of it. What he came into this game lacking is playoff experience. And there's something to be said of a quarterback going into a playoff game with playoff experience. And now, all of a sudden, Josh Allen has that playoff experience. He didn't have it before. They will build. They'll continue to build around him. We have Singletary already. That's, you know, that was definitely needed. But now um, they'll probably bring in some more weapons at the wide receiver position. Hopefully they, they may even target some guys in, in free agency like a Robbie Anderson because he, he has a strong arm. Josh Allen has a ridiculously strong arm. You get him some guys out there with speed, man, they can really do something different. And so now if they can continue to add to this, um, to this Bills team, they have all the foundational pieces they need. They they have most of the foundation. Any, I'm I'm dead serious. What they did this season showed me that they have all the stuff that they need to make the next jump. The next jump is with added pieces. So what does he gain from this? He gets a chance to feel that feeling of what it feels like to lose in a big time playoff game. He played well in the game. He really did. He just if you look around, there's just not enough weapons. There's no tight ends for him. He's throwing a Duke Williams. Duke Williams is is good. He's a good player. But, I mean, he was primarily throwing to Duke Williams most of the time, right? There are more talented weapons um, that this team can have. If you notice, the Texans, they lost in the playoffs before, right? Deshaun Watson learned, he learned, and now he has a lot of weapons around him. And they look like they can be a force moving forward. What he gets out of this, Josh Allen, is a lot of experience. And after the experience, they'll build around him. They'll be here again. I'm I'm liking this Bills team, and I think they'll be back. Yeah, I think they'll be back too, Rick. And so, again, the final score in the Bills-Texans game is an overtime. Texans beat the Bills 22-19. to Now let's move on now to the other AFC wildcard game in Foxborough between the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots. The Titans beat the Patriots 20-13. to Ryan Tannehill was effective, but the running game caused havoc on that Patriots defense. Derrick Henry ran like a madman. And the NFL's rushing champion this year made his presence felt rushed for over 180 yards. I saw this coming. I don't know if you saw this coming, but I saw Tennessee pulling off the upset. What happened with, with Tennessee and getting the win over the Patriots? Man, I talked, we, we talked about this. I told you last week, I was like, hey, get your prayer. If you're a Patriots fan, get your prayer beads ready, right? This is it. <laughs> this was it and they were going to lose. I said it last week. I meant it last week. I knew it was going to happen just like you knew it was going to happen. And um, I did get a little nervous at some points during the game because it looked like Tom was trying to find his rhythm. But I'm going to tell you what happened. Derrick Henry happened. And (laughs) Derrick Henry kept happening. He was a big, tall, freakishly fast nightmare, and (laughs) and that's who he is. 
and that's what he's been throughout the course of, you know, of the time, well, throughout the course of the season. He's the NFL leading rusher for a reason. Um, and this Patriots team, look, they have, or they have a highly touted defense, right? Um, but if you look at their schedule throughout the course of the um, season, they haven't had to play a lot of big-time um, teams. Like, they've played horrible teams in their division. They've played some horrible teams outside of their division. When you look at what happened with them and the Browns, I mean, just if, if it's straight up, if it's real, it's legit, the defense is a little bit overrated. So now you have that defense going up against um, the Titans, and the Titans weren't actually throwing the ball that much. They're just running it down your throat with a guy who's really hard to stop. And, and man, it kind of was what it was. Yeah, you're right about it was what it was, and Tennessee handled their business in a tough place to play at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. But the Patriots, a lot of questions going into the offseason. Julian Edelman, there's a lot of free agents. Bill Belichick making some coaching. Um, has some some coach, some decisions to think about. One of his former uh, coach, former uh, members of his coaching staff, wide receivers coach Joe Judge, is uh, going to become the new head coach of the New York Giants. Josh da- Josh McDaniels' future is uh, in limbo, but more so they have to worry about TB12. Tom Brady, we don't know where he's going to be. He's, he's he says that he still has a lot left to prove. Your thoughts on the Patriots? Well. One of the um, biggest things with the Patriots, one of the biggest problems um, with the Patriots this year is that they didn't have a lot of weapons at the wide receiver position, right? It was just Julian Edelman. They started off the season um, with with some weapons. They had weapons going into the season, but they lost those weapons just by their own, you know, their own decision-making. They decided to get rid of Antonio Brown. Um, well, you know, Antonio Brown kind of got rid of himself, but they decided to get rid of Antonio Brown um, they had weapons. They had weapons. But what happened is throughout the course of the season, they had to make moves, right? Josh Gordon, um, I mean, he was just right on the cusp of, of getting kicked out of the league again, and they knew that. And so they decided, you know, to move on from him. So they move on from him. They move on from him. They bring in Muhammad Sanu, and Muhammad Sanu wasn't the Muhammad Sanu that we saw in Atlanta. He was he, he was a in Atlanta, he was a good second piece. He was a very versatile player who, you know, can do well in the offense. He didn't do incredibly well in this um, Patriots offense. He wasn't that productive. So you look at him, um, Jacoby Myers, they just didn't have enough weapons around. Even Philip Dorsett, even though he had spots, he just wasn't a big enough weapon for them. So um, what what does Tom Brady do from here? Man, it's kind of tough because it's, it's kind of up, up to Tom Brady a little bit it's kind of up to the Patriots, too. What do you do in this case? Um, Tom doesn't want to leave yet. So, well, Tom doesn't want to leave the NFL yet. I'm hearing rumors about him with the Chargers. I'm hearing rumors about, you know, him in almost every place. Some people are talking about Miami, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what happens with Tom Brady. Um, will it depend on what happens with Josh McDaniels? Because him and McDaniels have been together for a while. If McDaniels does leave, does that affect Tom's decision a little bit? Um, that's a that's a big question because Josh McDaniels, I mean, he'll be a name people want um, to bring up. But honestly, a lot of these jobs that are open are kind of getting sucked up. So you don't know what's going to happen with um, you don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, I thought you know he might be a play for Dallas. Dallas went with Mike McCarthy. So I'm really not sure what happens with um, Josh McDaniels and how does that affect him? Because Josh McDaniels really, he really wants to stick around and take the Patriots job once Bill lets it go. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen with that Patriots team moving forward. I say this, though. Um, if Tom goes on the market, he'll have a market. So that's not even a question. He'll definitely have a market. There's a lot of quarterback-needy teams that would definitely take a look at Tom Brady, and that wouldn't even be a question. It'll be very similar to what happened with um, with um, Peyton Manning when it was his time. You you think there's not a market for him? You're crazy. Tom Brady leaves, there's a big market for him. Um, if he decides to stay, they'll they'll receive that and then, you know, go and get another quarterback in the draft. If you look at the Patriots team, there's not a guy waiting in the wings to just take his spot right now. It's just not that guy. And so there was that guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, but they got rid of him, right? And so um, now it's like – and they had other guys, right, other guys ready to go. There's not a guy right now. So look for them to, to draft a quarterback in this draft. Look for them to draft one probably in the first or second round, straight up. And if, if Tua starts to fall 
and they have a chance to, to get him, look for them to make a jump and try to get him, right? These are, these are all facts. But um, but I, I think Tom stays because I don't think there's – I don't think there's another plan right now. So I think Tom sticks around. All right. Uh, good job, as always, on that one. So, again, the Tennessee Titans beat the New England Patriots 20-13. to Now let's move on to the NFC now. A, a tight game. We said it, Rick. We said this game would be close between – the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints in the NFC wildcard game. In overtime, Vikings beat the Saints 26-20. to Now, the, the Saints' offensive line, they've been, they've been so-so this year, but the Vikings' defensive line has been ferocious, and they definitely showed their ferociousness in this game. We saw the likes of Linval Joseph, and how about Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter? What made the Vikings' D-line, in your opinion, just wreak havoc on the Saints' offensive line? Straight up, this is exactly, and and I couldn't, I I didn't want to talk about this because it hurts, but but um but I can't wait to talk about it because it, it's some therapy in it. So here here's what it is. If you look at the Saints offensive line and the way they're currently constructed, they have really good tackles on the outside, right? Um, you look at Ramcheck and Armstead, they're great on the outside. The problem with the um, New Orleans Saints is the interior of their offensive line. And it's not in both guard spots, but it's really at the left guard spot. And generally, if you have a center, if you have a center um, that's, you know, a really veteran center, um, a center that, you know, can, can really direct a lot of stuff, then you're not overly concerned with your guard spots because the center can make up for some of that weakness. However, their center is a rookie in Eric McCoy, Though he had a phenomenal season, he was probably he was actually one of the highest rated centers, uh, especially rookie centers in the league this year from the PFF standpoint. So Pro Football Focus gave out grades and they graded him very high. So this guy, right, Eric McCoy, Eric McCoy is good, but he wasn't he's not there yet to to kind of make up for all the woes that they have. Their major problem is the left guard spot, Andres Pete. And yes, honestly. I like to see him, you know, rolling out of the pocket. I mean, I like to see him on, um, you know, when he, when he's rolling out and stuff like that. He, he's he's a pretty mobile, um, he's a pretty mobile offensive lineman. He was initially supposed to be a left tackle. They move him to the left guard spot. He's been decent there um, at times, but he is the weakness. You want to look at their losses this year. It was teams that had a defensive tackle that can that could attack the interior of that line. They lost to the Rams. Actually, Drew Brees got hurt on that play. I, I can almost see that coming because it's Aaron Donald versus Andres Pete. That's a wash. That's a wash. And he's basically walking through a turnstile, and he gets to, to Drew Brees whenever he wants. When Drew Brees has pressure directly in his face like most quarterbacks, there's nothing he can do because he's a short quarterback. It's even worse. So you bring in Aaron Donald against Andres Pete, that's a win all day. The Rams are a bad matchup for the Saints because of that. The Falcons are a bad matchup for the Saints because they have a great defensive tackling and Grady. So you have Grady Jarrett. He's a bad offensive. I mean, he's a bad matchup for that offense because it's him versus Andres Pete. They're going to do what they want to do. And now you move on, right? The Vikings said that they studied the game that the Saints lost, and they figured out how to attack this line. Well, they attacked the line from the interior, and Andres Pete was the victim. When he actually went out of the game and they brought in Nick Easton, the bleeding kind of stopped a little bit. Right, but the they they had to figure out the packages. So the package is basically bringing your best rushers on the inside of the line, get right in Drew Brees' face, and that offense sputters, especially when that's the situation. So that's the case, man. Um, what the Saints have to do moving forward is figure out that situation. I'm just Pete right now is is going to be um, a free agent, unrestricted free agent. I believe that he moves on. I believe he moves on, and I don't believe they sign him again because. I mean, honestly, you have to find somebody else to to help in that spot. And I think, I think actually, Nick Easton may be he may be better for that right now. You, I don't know for sure. Um, but looking at them play, man, it, it's tough. That interior of the offensive line needs to get fixed. That's the biggest issue with the Saints in that particular game. The D line had had a phenomenal day, but they figured out how to attack the offensive line. They attacked from the inside, and when they attacked from the inside, like the Falcons or like the Rams. They had a lot of success, man. All right, let's move on. Let's stay with this game for a moment. Kirk Cousins, (laughs) 
$84 million guaranteed two years ago, and he proved it. He proved that he was worth every bit of the money, and including that, that drive in overtime, the pass to Field, to Adam Thielen, of course, the touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph. We'll touch on that in a little bit, but your thoughts on Kirk Cousins in this game? Kirk Cousins had a great game. Um, he didn't make a lot of mistakes. He just didn't make a ton of mistakes in this game. And, and when it mattered, they, the Vikings offense attacked the Saints defense in, you know, in, in very smart and methodical ways. They did it very similar to the way any good offensive coordinator would do it, but, but mostly like Sean Payton. They attacked the weaknesses. And so coming into this game, Adam, Adam Thielen didn't have a great season. Adam Thielen wasn't even involved in most of the season. He was hurt. Um, or, or he was there and ineffective in a lot of um, in a lot of his matchups. Well, he was back this game, and he was fully back. And he attacked every bit of this Saints um, defense, especially when it mattered. So at the very end, in um, in overtime, um, Mark no, I'm sorry, Marshawn Lattimore goes out, and when Marshawn Lattimore and when he when he leaves the game, then they left Adam Thielen on Patrick Robinson. Kirk Cousins, the old Kirk Cousins freezes in certain cases, or he doesn't play up to to um, the level that he actually – he doesn't play up to his talent level. But I told you last week, since week five of the season, Kirk Cousins has been one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in the league. He's great. He's had a great season. When it mattered, he was there. I know that his reputation on Monday Night Football shows that he can't get it done when it matters. Well, it's in the playoffs. Wild card round. You're in New Orleans. It's overtime. It matters now. He saw Marshawn Lattimore go out. He he targeted Adam Thielen. He targeted Patrick Robinson. He took advantage of it, and they marched the ball down the field, and they get the win. Can Kirk Cousins do – I mean, is Kirk Cousins a phenomenal player? Yeah, he is. He's a great player. Is he worth the money? Yeah, he's worth the money because they get that win when they needed it in the, in the wild card round because Kirk Cousins – stayed alert, he stayed active, he hung in the pocket when he was being pressured, and when it mattered, he got the ball out and he won the game. So, look, I mean, I like that. <laughs> you should too. Yeah, you're right about that. I, I like that one as well. And also liking Dalvin Cook. Dal, the uh, Kirk Cousins may be the money man, but Dalvin Cook is, you know, my, Dalvin Cook is perfect for that Mike Zimmer offense because Minnesota is built on defense and being run first. And Dalvin Cook came back. He was refreshed. He had uh, he was out for two weeks, nursing a shoulder injury. He came back, and you could see his freshness. Your thoughts on Dalvin Cook um, helping uh, the Vikings get the win? And Dalvin Cook ran through the Saints' offense in a way that hadn't been done all season. They've been shutting runners down week to week to week. They've been shutting runners down, and they were not able to stop Dalvin Cook when it mattered. Like. Delvin Cook was actually he carved he painted the narrative for the first half of of that game. It was mostly Delvin Cook who was destroying the Saints defense because he was running through them like a hot knife through butter, man. And, and you're absolutely right. It was Delvin Cook, and Delvin Cook had a he had a phenomenal game. All right, now let's move to, let's move on to the Saints now. Now, Drew Brees he had his struggles in this game. But I noticed something. I think you noticed this as well, Rick. When Taysom Hill got in the game, there were moments when the Saints' offense opened up because Alvin Kamara was running the ball a little bit. When Taysom Hill opened up that offense and Latavius Murray got his, his touches of the ball when, when he got his opportunities, did you think if Taysom Hill would have uh, became the quarterback a little bit earlier, if they would have utilized him earlier in this game, do you think the Saints would have had a chance to win this game? No, I'm listen, Tate didn't come in and take over a entire drive. Taysom Hill came in and, you know, made a play here, made a play there, did a trick play here, did a trick play there. Um But Taysom the offense Hill, opened up when he but, but the offense opened up when he got in there though. I mean it did. Like well, it did for that play because it's a trick play. So on the trick play you you don't know what he's going to do. So you don't know if he's going to run or you don't know if he's going to pass. When he decides to, you know, drop back and pass, then, bam, it works. But if he was the consistent quarterback um, every every play, like if he was the guy, if he's the guy, then um, it's not the same. Like this offense wouldn't be – this offense would completely change 
And I'm not saying it would change for the better. It, it, if you look at him during the preseason, there are games when, when Taysom Hill just looks completely either lost or he's just, just completely inaccurate. Some games he got better towards the end of the preseason. But Taysom Hill, I don't believe Taysom Hill is that guy if he just completely takes over for, for Drew Brees. So I don't. I don't, I don't mean. I, I I I hate to interrupt you. I don't. I don't mean as a consistent quarterback. But I, what I meant was like if they utilized him a little bit more. Because when Taysom Hill came in on trick plays, they the Saints started running the ball a little bit more because you could see there were periods in that game when Minnesota's defense got confused. I think Drew. I mean, I'm not saying him take over Drew's spot, but I'm just saying that they would have capitalized a little more, do a little bit more trick plays. I think the Saints would have had a better chance of winning the game. I don't know. That's that's why what I observed, but you you can add on yeah, to so, how you feel look, about it. You know, some people believe that. Some people think that, okay, cool, um, maybe maybe that's it. Some people think that, you know, if we would have used Taysom Hill more as the quarterback in this game, um, they could have won. Uh, there's no telling. I mean, it, it's, it's possible. It, it's possible that with a little bit more of Taysom Hill, um, they could have done something. This offense didn't really get off track until – the second half, and and what Taysom provided was just the fact that he can get out of the pocket and make moves. So I, I don't know if if him being in there would have provided a little bit more um, for this team. It's possible. I I, I can't say no. Um, it, it's possible. My my only my only thought is, um, man, you're you're better when Drew is back there. You're you're, you're better when Drew is there. Um, and, and using him in some more trick plays could have possibly helped. Who knows? All right. Well, one last question about this game: Was it or wasn't it? Uh, was it or wasn't it a uh, pass interference? Kyle Rudolph gets the touchdown. Um, the, the officials back in New York decided not to review it. Al Riveron, who is the head of officiating, told said that the angles that they got from the Fox Television Network said that everything was clear and concise, and there was not enough to overturn it, and therefore. It remained touchdown. Vikings win. Now, we saw a, something of a similar call in the Seahawks-Eagles game with Jacob Hollister. Offensive pass interference was called in that game. So, Saints fans have been – it's been mixed emotions, mixed reactions from everyone, not just in New Orleans, but among Saints fans and everybody around the league in terms of what was it or wasn't a pass interference. So, I want to hear your take on this, Rick. Was it a pass interference or did it, did it deserve to be a touchdown? 100% pass interference. 100%. I knew you would get ready to say that. Hey, look, and the funny part is, I don't, I don't even, I don't blame that pass interference for the loss. I don't. And I don't blame, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that the blame goes on the, um, the referees at all. That's not the case. I give, I give the Vikings their full credit for figuring out how to attack this offense and how to attack this defense. All you know, all, awesome, awesome job. At the same time, come on, man, come on, man. <laughs> it was, it was a hundred percent. Hey, look, here's, here's the, here's what you're not supposed to be able to do. He fully extends his arm, right? He fully extends his arm on PJ Williams, moves him and, and obstructs him from defending the pass. He does that right before. He does that right before the ball comes in. So he fully extends his arm. He pushes him away. And then he goes up and catches it. That is a clear offensive pass interference. And the fact that they wouldn't stop for a second and go back and review it is nonsense, straight up. So was it a, was it a pass interference? Yes, it was offensive pass interference. You can ask almost anybody who's watching, who can watch that part in slow motion again and t- tell me it's not, it's not offensive pass interference. Explain to me how it's not because I don't see how it's not. There was a little. I saw P.J. Williams going um, in a in a hand fighting going on with with Rudolph because it could have it could have went either way. From what from what I looked at it, it could it could have easily been a, a penalties on both teams. It could have been an offset penalties offset. You replayed it down. Because they were still within mean, five was, yards, right? Yeah, it was still within five yards. Okay, so if they if they're actually they're really close to the line of scrimmage at first. So that kind of hand fighting was happening right at the goal line. Towards the end of that, they're deep in the end zone at that point. And then as the ball's coming, he takes his arm, pushes P.J. Williams away, and then goes up for the catch. 
that is offensive <laughs> pass interference. I don't know no other way to call it. Like, yeah. it's offensive pass interference. Um, I mean, to who wouldn't it be? And I know some Good people question. think, oh, they were, they were, they were fighting. You know, they were, they were hand fighting before. Okay. Now you look at this. That's right on the line, right as the ball's in the air, as the ball is in the air, and it's headed towards Kyle Rudolph. Right. He takes his arm, pushes P.J. Williams away, and then goes up and catches it. It's offensive pass interference. It's, it's very clear. It's very clear. Wow. For the second year in a row. They they they're out because of it. Yeah, and for the third right. year in a row, you know the states. I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, but 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 at the same time, that ain't it. That ain't the reason they lost. I mean, they were already down there. One one way or another, they were going to score. So I mean, it's whatever. But that, I mean, yeah, it was clearly offensive pass interference. I'm sorry. I believe it. <laughs> well, again, like you said, for the second year in a row, a potential pass interference penalty wasn't called. And for the, the third year in a row, the Saints fall short on a close, the close, uh, on a close play. So uh, the Vikings beat the Saints in overtime 26-20. Then we had the last wild card game in Philly between the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. Seahawks beat the Eagles 17-9. to Let's start off with the, the Seahawks. The last two games of the regular season, they lost, but – they got to Philly, tough place to play. They handled their business and they beat um they beat the beat the Eagles. Um not a high scoring game. I expected it to be low scoring, but um Russell Wilson played great, showed off his M V P caliber talent. Your thoughts on, on uh Russell and the Seahawks? I mean, great game for Russell Wilson. Um it wasn't a super hard game in my opinion <laughs> because I mean once Carson Wentz goes out he was the he was the last man standing anyway, you know. He was the last man standing anyway, and so then Carson Wentz um, goes down. Yeah, Philly was able to kind of rally a little bit, um, but for the most part, man, um, you look at this this Philly team, and man, they overcame injury after injury after injury after injury, and then finally their quarterback goes down. Um, Carson Wentz. A lot of people are giving him that injury prone tag. Throughout the course of this season, he hasn't went down. And then the first game of the playoffs, bam, there he goes. And I don't know, man. You look you look at the Seahawks team, I think a lot of people showed up for them who people didn't think that, think would. Marshawn Lynch, what about that, right? What about Lynch? You got to give him some props um, for his, his role in this game. And then on top of that, um, DK Metcalf. A lot of people um, were doubting him and his ability to contribute because of his short shuttle and He's not he's not that, you know, quick. Well, he's definitely fast, he's definitely huge, and he's definitely gonna be a big part of the Seahawks moving forward. So, um, shout out to the Seahawks, man. Great job, great job knocking out the, the Eagles. Let's stay with Seattle for a moment. Um, Beast Mode, um, he made his presence felt when he needed to be. I mean, not not big on numbers, but in the playoffs it's not about numbers, it's what is if you can get points or get the most important plays. Your thoughts on Marshawn in this game? Man, that first touchdown was a beast mode run. And that's that's basically what you need. You need a beast mode run. And and when you have and the funny part is you just didn't expect him to to be beast mode. Like you don't expect him to come off the couch and be beast mode. I thought he was done done. Like people don't I thought he was finished, like done completely, but he was nowhere near finished. He's not even I – mean, well, he's nearer finished than, than not finished. But, man, you look at him in this game, he looked spry. He looked like he was explosive at times. When it was time to get down to the end zone, like I said, on the first touchdown run, they had him stopped. He keeps moving. He spins. He gets in the end zone. He shows you the beast mode characteristic that most people thought no longer existed in him. You know what I mean? Some people were on Twitter calling him feast mode. They thought he was going to be too fat to play. But he came back and um and showed them what the deal was. And, man, you love to see Beast Mode come back. Somebody put up a meme that said, um, hey, who would you bring back? Um, you know, if you could bring one big-time player back to this game coming up, who would you bring back? Well, that was a fantasy for those people, right? But it's reality for the Seattle Seahawks. They would have bought back Beast Mode, the same Beast Mode that knocked off the Saints years ago, the same Beast Mode that have the Beast Quick runs. That Beast Mode, they want it back. They bring back Beast Mode, and they get Beast Mode. And that's 
that that's awesome, man. You don't normally get that when you pull a guy off the couch and Marshawn Lynch really show people that he still has it. And it's it's not a ton, but it's enough. And it was there when they needed it. All right, DJ Metcalf, man. DJ Metcalf played a great game. Rookie year was picked uh, almost uh, very late in the draft, but the Seahawks saw something, and we saw what they saw, and he played a big game. Uh, your thoughts on DK Metcalf and his performance in the wild card game? Man, you look at DK Metcalf in college, and it seemed that he didn't have a, a tremendous route tree. Like he created that. Nobody knew exactly what he could do, um, how far he could go. Um, because they thought he had a limited route tree. He's a physical specimen. That's straight up, right? He's big, he's tall, he's strong, and he's ripped. Like, he's ripped, ripped, right? And so he looks like a player you would build on Madden. Well, in this game, he played like he was like he had superpowers. And a lot of people, they, they let him fall in the draft because they thought it was all – and I don't know, maybe they thought it was all hype and maybe they didn't want to get caught up in the hype. And, and a lot of scouts, maybe they didn't want to put um, – they didn't want to put that, you know, maybe they didn't want to put their name on him because he looks like a great player. He looks like a scout's worst nightmare because he looks like a phenomenal player, but, you know, he just didn't show that productivity. So you don't want to get caught up in, in the hype of going after the body beautiful player. Well, the Seahawks put faith in him. They put trust in him. If you looked at um, their interaction before the draft, you saw him walk in with his shirt off and then you <laughs> – and then you saw the coach of the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, take his shirt off too, and you saw him kind of zap up. At that point, man, that looked like something. It looked like a marriage made to happen, man. And so um, when they go, went ahead and picked him, I thought he would do well, especially with Russell Wilson. And, yes, it took a while for him to start to get really contribute this season with the Seahawks. But when it mattered in the playoffs, there he is, man, um, making play after play after play for them. The Eagles banged up, beat up. In all, all position, at all positions, Carson Wentz. Uh, when Carson Wentz got out for the game, it, it was trouble because the offense had suffered. I mean, there were some bright moments with the running game, but when Carson Wentz got hurt, like you said earlier, when Carson Wentz down, when Carson Wentz went down, it was all she wrote. So, your thoughts on Carson and just his his future with the Eagles? Um, they just signed him on a new contract, right? So I don't think he's going anywhere. But I do think um, they're going to have to – they need to make a huge investment like the Saints did in their backup quarterback. So um, their backup quarterback needs to be a good backup quarterback. And, and in this case, McCown's good. He's a very athletic. Um, a lot of people forget how athletic he is at his age. Um, but at the same time, um, they may need to make a stronger investment in a backup quarterback. It may need to be, you know uh, – uh, something they look at in the draft and something they really, really pay attention to. Because if they're going to trust Carson moving forward, then, you know, this is kind of what it is, been what it is every season. Every season, at some point in the season, he gets hurt. Famously, you know, when they went to the Super Bowl and won it. But outside of that, every season he gets hurt at some point. They need to make sure that their backup quarterback is something they can truly, truly, somebody they can truly, truly trust. All right, let's move on now to the divisional round. We've got some great games coming up. We've got on the NFC divisional matchup on Saturday, we've got the Minnesota Vikings against the San Francisco 49ers. Vikings, big win over the Saints, but, you know, the celebration is short-lived because they've got to go out to the Bay and play a, get, play a team that had the number one defense in the NFL during the season, the San Francisco 49ers, and not to mention the team that ran the ball very, very well. So, with Minnesota coming into a tough environment, we know what Minnesota is capable of, uh, capable of doing, but the 49ers are no – I mean, the 49ers have been fantastic this year. What do you, how do you see this matchup playing out between the Vikings and the Niners? Man, I think it'll be a tough game. Um, I think it'll be a tough game for, for both teams. I, I mean, you look at the Niners, then the Niners were able to kind of squeak out some wins at the end, and you saw them squeak out a win – um, against the against the Seahawks, they barely got out of that game. They barely get out of that Rams game. They lose to the Falcons. Um, they seem to have been sputtering towards the latter half of the season. They should get Quan Alex. They may get Quan Alexander back for this game. They should. Um, you know, a lot of those guys were reeling towards the end and they weren't healthy. So they should start to get 
a little bit more healthy moving moving forward. So they'll get a pretty fresh – the Vikings will get a pretty fresh um, 49ers team, but the Niners are going to get a really motivated Vikings team. So at the a motivated and um, and confident Vikings team who just walked into the Superdome and took out the Saints, Andrew Brees. And so the the Vikings could come in and, and knock out the 49ers. I, I see a lot of times um, a team – have a, a team is young. They have a phenomenal season, um, and then when it's time for the playoffs, they can get knocked off, right? Because they they're just not used to being there yet. And so Jimmy G, he may I don't think he's not super used to being there. But what they have is this cool mix of of elder statesmen and young talent, right? So you have Richard Sherman who's been there and done that. Um, you have um Emmanuel Sanders who's been there and done that. Um, you have some guys who are there who can kind of help them move along. Uh, and you have Quan Alexander, who's a, who's a bit of a veteran in this league. He hasn't been there and done that, but he is a veteran. So you look at this team overall, man. Um, I look at the 49ers, and I think they win. I think they win here. I think it's a really tight one, and I think it goes down to almost the last drive. But I do think the 49ers walk away with the victory. All right, so uh, Rick Sincere has the 49ers beating the Vikings in a close one. Now let's go to the other game on Saturday, the AFC divisional matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. This is expected to be a hard-hitting matchup. You've got Ryan Tannehill, who's played well as of late, going up against who could be the potential league MVP in Lamar Jackson. But you've also got two teams that run the ball very well, Derrick Henry. You've also got Mark Ingram. You've also got the backup Gus Edwards. And you've got two teams that play defense very well. They're kind of mirror images of one another, but Baltimore is just a tad bit better. So what do you expect out of uh, the Tennessee and Baltimore? Man, um, this, is, this is a tough one for me because the only thing that's problematic for me is the availability of Mark Ingram. If Mark Ingram's good to go and he's playing in this game, and chances are that he will, if he's playing in this game, then I believe this is this could be a rolling. This could this could be a not easy, but it could be about maybe ten point win for the Baltimore Ravens. I think they can beat the. I think not can. I think they should beat them um, with them a healthy Mark Ingram. If there is no Mark Ingram, then we're kind of relying on Gus Edwards to be that guy, and then the offense feels a little bit different to me. And with that, that you have to have to rely a little bit more on the defense, and I think they can, um, but it's it's a lot closer. And so, um, no Mark Ingram, I feel like the Titans can steal it. I really do. I feel like no Mark Ingram, healthy um, Derrick Henry, the Titans can steal it. With the Mark Ingram, um, I'm going Baltimore by ten. So you've got Baltimore. So Rick Sincere has Baltimore winning by ten in this one. Now let's go to the Sunday matchups. You're talking we've got the future. Well, the future is now in terms of the quarterback position. The Houston Texans going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. We've got Deshaun Watson going up against Patrick Mahomes. Arrowhead Stadium, one of the toughest places to play in the National Football League, but the Texans are capable of doing it. Deshaun Watson has been unstoppable, but Patrick Mahomes is no slouch in his own right. So we've got um, the, the, the high-powered offense of Kansas City going up against the balanced offense of Houston with that strong defense, Texans and Chiefs. How do you see this one playing out? Um, easy Chiefs win. So, <laughs> oh, um, really? So you say and, easy and, Chiefs win on this one? Yeah, I do. I do. I say easy Chiefs win. Um, the the Chiefs offense is not the Buffalo Bills offense, and, and they struggled last week even with the healthy J.J. – well, with the semi-healthy J.J. Watt. They struggled last week with that Bills um, offense whenever they got creative. Now you're talking about one of the most creative play callers, especially coming off of a bye. You're talking about Patrick Mahomes. You're talking about Tariq Hill, right? If Damian Williams and, – and yesterday on MTNV we talked about this too. We have a Chiefs correspondent. He said you have Damian Williams doing Damian Williams-type things, and what that means – is you have a young, well, you have a young, speedy um, running back who does well catching passes out of the backfield and does well in the screen game. If he's doing that, then and they last week they they suffered with stuff like that, right? The Texans suffered with stuff like that. I don't know what's happening with Romeo Cornell and that whole defense, but all I'm saying is when it goes down, you're talking about playing against this Chiefs offense, and they are ten times more creative, ten times better, and ten times more talented then that builds offense, you're going to have trouble on your hands. Like, it'll be trouble. And that Chiefs defense 
isn't a slouch. Now, they're not great, but they're no slouch. And so you look at that. Um, I think it will be, you know, somewhat of a shootout at first. But over time, around maybe the third quarter, the Chiefs will separate themselves, and it'll be clear that they're the better team. All right, so Rick Sincere has the Chiefs winning in an easy one, and then we have the final game. I think this is going to be the game of the day. I think this is going to be great in the last uh, divisional game. It's the NFC wildcard showdown between the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. We've got Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, and the Seahawks going up against the bad man, as they call him, Aaron Rodgers, and that Packer offense. But they don't sleep on Green Bay's defense. They're at Lambeau Field, one of the toughest places to play in the league. So Seahawks and Packers, how do you how do you see this one shaping out? And this is a tough one for me. Um, and the reason it's so tough is because I actually I def I definitely don't sleep on the on the Packers. Um, Team, I actually love their roster. I love their roster, and we talked about their their depth in that backfield, right? Well, in their in their secondary, we talked about that a long time. And I really love what they did. They've made huge investments. We've talked about this before. They made huge investments in their cornerbacks. You talk about Jerry Alexander, Kevin King, man. Look, even after that, it's Tremont Williams. They have they have talent back there. They have talent, and I love their defense. I love what they've been doing. So. Man, it might be a bit of a struggle for um, for this team. It may be a bit of a struggle for the Seattle Seahawks going into Lambeau. The only problem with this whole situation is that on the flip side, outside of Devontae Adams, there's not a lot of weapons for um, for Green Bay. You know, their running back, we talked about their running back last week. Um, when they're doing well, the running back's doing well as well. So, man, I don't know. You got Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, um, and – and um, the bad man, as you call him, um, Aaron Rodgers, right? On the flip side of that, you have um, you have man, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett if he's playing well, and Marshawn Lynch. This is gonna be a tough one, bro. I'm a, I'm gonna be honest with you, and and I don't know how to call it. I don't know how to call it. But if I had to hedge my bets, um. They would go towards the home, the home team in this case. If I had to hedge my bets, they would go towards the home team. I look at this this Packers team, and I feel like I feel like the Seahawks are suffering a little bit. Last week they got a hapless Philadelphia team, and they still didn't beat them by a lot. We talked about it. They don't, they they it was still a tight game, and they still showed spots where they could be vulnerable, especially in the secondary. So if that's the case then I feel like Aaron Rodgers will find ways to take advantage of this team. Um, he still has something to prove. He was left off of that, um, you know, top 100, uh, our NFL 100 team. I know he has something to prove, and when he has something to prove, I'm pretty sure he's going to play a little bit different. So you'll see glimpses of his greatness, and I think in this game you're going you're gonna to see the Packers win. I think they walk away with this one. Now, I could be wrong. I could be very wrong, but um, I doubt it. I'm going with the Packers. All right, fair enough. Well, uh, great job as always, Rick. So now tell our audience now uh, about MTMV Sports and um, the, the great things that are going on and where can they find you guys on uh, social media as well as uh, your platforms as well. You can find MTMV Sports on almost every podcast platform around, right? Uh, we're on Spotify, um, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, what, Sketcher. Or, I mean, just everywhere, right? Just everywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. Google Play, you can find us there. Um, there's also um, one for Android. I think it's Podcast Republic. So Podcast Republic for Android. If you have an Android phone, it's really hard for you to, you know, find ways to, um, you know, get all your podcasts. Podcast Republic is, a, is an awesome place that you can go and get stuff there. So Podcast Republic, you can find us there as well. Just every single platform you can find us. So, um I mean, we, we bring something new every single day. You're going to get something from us. Um, and if you're not getting some something from us on that day, man, we have over 900 episodes that you can go back and listen to. So um, you're never, you're never ever um, feeling like we don't have content for you. We, we have new shows coming up this, this season. We always have NFL and um, fight night updates. So you're going to get fight stuff, you get NFL stuff, you get NBA updates, and we got this new show called Huddle Up. You'll hear from all of our podcasters 
in this one big conglomeration where we all get together and just kind of go uh, and talk about the hottest stuff in sports. And this season, we're hoping to bring back a, a you know a show that kind of you know took the world by storm the first time around, the Bayfield. So you'll be seeing that I'm back really soon. Okay, and then also uh, before we let you go, just tell all it is about Beyond Belief. Yeah, Beyond Belief. Um, hey, we talked about this several times. I want you to go out, go go to Spotify, pull up Rick Sincere, Beyond Belief, listen to Full Throttle, um, listen to Tonight, listen to Tell Me, listen to those songs, man. I put my heart and my soul on those tracks. So um, you're going to, I mean, you'll, you'll take a journey. The whole album is a journey. Like, it, it's super good. Well, I'm not going to say super good. I'm going to say that I really enjoy creating the journey, and I sure hope you, you would go take the journey with me. Well, you're on a great journey thus far. I continue to make big things happen. You heard it from him. He's Rick Sincere from MTMB Sports giving us the lowdown on the recap of the wildcard weekend. Also previewing the divisional round and also doing great things, not just in the music world, but also keeping it up with the uh, podcasting. Rick, thank you so much for being on the program. And as always, if you ever want to come back on, feel free to let us know. Yes, sir. We'll talk. All right, no doubt. And we'll be back with more right after this. Oh my gosh, he's so cute. How do you know Cameron? Come on, John, do it like I taught you. Love the new tattoo, Sarah. Let's go! Dude, that's Sarah. The girl in the picture, that's the girl I was telling you about. Oh, that's Sarah? Theater 2 on your left. Hey, Sarah. What color underwear today? Hey, Sarah, so when are you going to post something new? Anything you post online, anyone can see. Family, friends. See you later, Sarah. Even not-so-friendly people. Think before you post. That's going to do it for another edition of The Robinson Show. I'm your host, Ed Robinson. And remember, put God first in everything you do and you can't go wrong. Until next time, stick to the script. I'm out. Peace.